right, it's 8 a.m., so let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to convention. Thanks for coming. The topic of this panel is step two. My name is Sandy C. I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I'll be your moderator for this session. Our speakers today are Kim L. and Martha Sandy. P. Sandy, sorry oh, you didn't ask me to have there's too many. I, I'm wearing a few too many hats this morning. Thanks, Lynn Renee. Takes a team. All right, I'm going to start interpretation. Yeah. Oh, right, you were telling them. All right, so interpretation's up. Um, you can select the French channel en français. If you want to listen in French, you'll hear Lynn Renee. Okay, Kim can hear the French, so that is très bon. All right, let's see. Uh, closed captioning is available in English. Please click on live transcript if you want to see closed caption. And would everybody please join me in the we version of the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and wisdom to know the difference. Your will, not mine, be done. Amen. This session will feature two speakers who have up to 20 minutes each to share. After that, the attendees will be able to ask questions of the speakers. The audio from this session is being recorded and will not be edited. Uh, by speaking at this workshop, everybody on the panel, um, you give permission to be recorded. Please note that this session will be available online or as a podcast feed in the future. As you've noted, um, if you're in the audi uh, audience, webinars are view only. Only panelists are visible. Attendees are not visible to each other or to the people on the panel. Attendees are automatically muted. Please use the Q&A function to ask the panelists a question, but use the chat for tech support or um, give us the positive comments. Send us love. That always pumps me up when we see nice comments in the chat. Um, please respect the anonymity of all who attend, in, um, including um, by no screen captures and no audio recording of your own, okay? Um, so for our speakers, the timer will signal you when there's five minutes remaining and then when time's up. Please remember you're being interpreted, so speak slowly. Our first speaker is Kim. Oh, Kim, let me set up the spotlights. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. Forgot all about the spotlight. Oh, too many hats. All right, so Kim's on the spotlight. If you're in the attendees and you want to see Kim, you change your view to speaker view. That's the top right corner, the little one that says view. You pick speaker view. All right, lovey, go right ahead. Thank you, Sandy. Good morning, everyone. I am Kim, compulsive overeater from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I am a relapse survivor and agnostic in recovery for today and by the grace of my higher power and only by his grace. I have been an OA member since October 2015 and abstinence since January 2019. First of all, I would like to say that English is not my first language, so please bear with me. I know it's dichotomous to present myself as an agnostic and tell you that I'm in recovery by the grace of my higher power. Welcome back to that during the workshop. 
But before we go any further to qualify myself as an overeater, I am a bulimic hyperphagic type, which means that my illness is characterized by the repeated consumption of large quantities of food with loss of control during and after my eating orgies. Well, that's what the doctor says about my illness. In other words, when I'm active, I eat until I vomit. My life can seem like one endless meal. I eat from the time I wake up until I go to bed. And I can take food with me to bed to fall asleep. That's what looks like my illness the most. I thought this was my only eating disorder. But with OA, my 12-step program, I also learned that I had bulimic behaviors. I never had episode of vomiting. That's not my thing. But I did use laxative to feel clean and completely empty before stepping on the scale. I have also had episode of food restriction and overtraining. In 2016, in a mad dash to lose weight, I had replaced my dominator, the food, with the number of the scale. My disease has a lot of symptoms, physical, emotional, and spiritual. I can easily put symptoms of my illness into each of these categories. Today, I practice three meals a day, nothing in between, one day at a time with all my love for myself. My day no longer feels like endless meal. And I practice this the best as I can. That is, if I need a snack during the day, I don't beat myself anymore. I am a diabetic. I sometimes need to support my blood sugar during the day. But on my own, I cannot do it. It's too much for me. Too much for the human being that I am. I need my HP, my 12-step program, and my tools to do it. And today, I'm going to tell you how I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore my sanity. And believe me, this was not an easy process for me. I told you, I am a relapse survivor. But first thing first question. I had to ask myself, restore my sanity. I saw no reason because I, I thought I did not lose my mind. I only had a food problem. When I first came in the program, there was a problem with my understanding of the steps. I didn't understand the key elements that were required prior to taking the second step of all and all the other steps. And admitting my powerlessness over food and admitting that my life had become unmanageable. A member once pointed out this important distinction to be made in step one. 
he mentioned that the first step did not say we admitted our powerlessness over food and that we had lost control of our plate. He pointed out that the first step said that our life had become unmanageable. He also mentioned that food was only mentioned once in our steps and only in the first half of the first step. This relapse proved me that I was powerless over food. I was not, I was now sure of that. Was my life a complete mess? Totally. Nothing was going right in my life. It was chaos. Then what should I do? Yes, question again. Having recognized that I had lost control of my life, I now had to recognize the mental aspect of my illness, the loss of my sanity. And without this recognition, I saw no reason to believe that anyone, especially a higher power, could restore my sanity. That's right. Step two is also a two-part step. Well, at least to me, it was and still is a two-part step. But first, let's have a look at the first part of step two. Recognizing the need to restore my sanity. Let's do this together by taking a little quiz. There, are no, there is no right or wrong answers. Only our answers matter. We don't have to be embarrassed. No one will see our answers. So take a pen and a simple paper, the first simple paper and pen you see on your desk or near you. If you don't have one, just take your fingers. Mark an X or raise your finger every time you recognize yourself. These are a few of the irrational behavior described in OA 12.12 step two. Have you ever driven miles to get food? Have you, eaten, have you ever eaten burned, frozen, or rotten food? Have you ever stolen food? Have you ever taken food out of the garbage? Have you ever eaten until you felt like bursting? Have you ever lied about your food intake, whether it's over or under eating? Is fasting purging or over-exercising part of your behavior? Do you isolate yourself to eat or not to eat? Even though you knew you were doing serious harm to your body, 
Did you continue with these behaviors? And outside the plate, yelling at my children, my spouse, demanding exclusivity, jealousy of my spouse or my friends, having anxiety or panic attacks. Being more comfortable with food than with people. Pretending to be happy when basically being unhappy. Engaging in unhealthy, toxic relationships. Dizzying in all sorts of activities to the point of exhaustion. Procrastinating. Performing at all costs. Having low self-esteem. Do you have a few X on your paper? I don't judge you. I did. It was after I identified my multiple irrational behaviors that went beyond simple control issue. And after I identified my self-destructive habits that I realized I could not do it alone. Clearly, I had to change something. And I came to believe that the key element in my recovery was in this second step. If you also had a few X on your paper or a few finger raised, you might want to hear the rest of the step too. The second obstacle I had to overcome was my agnosticism. My rational and analytical mind was not sure that God exists. And my little, little inner voice was telling me that there was a possibility that he might exist. There were things that my rational brain could not explain in life. I was resisting the spiritual call. I was always joking that I was one of those who would suffer spontaneous combustion when approaching a church. My life was chaos and my lifestyle seemed incompatible with any form of spirituality at that time. But I was delighted to read in our literature that anyone could recover with the 12 OA steps. Believers, atheists, agnostics, I read. I have read a lot. 
the 12 and 12, of course, but also the we agnostic chapter of the big book. I also read what to do if I don't believe in God. I think this pamphlet does not exist anymore, but it also helped me a lot to understand that in a way, everyone is free to choose and define the higher power of their choice. Free as I could choose my OA group as a higher power or even a tree if I want to. What a relief it was for me. But I still had to define it. Our literature, and particularly second step literature, suggests some excellent thoughtful questions. What would a higher power do for me? If I had a higher power in my life, what would I want from it? What would this higher power be to me? What are the qualities of this higher power? There are different mediums and way we can use to reflect and answer these questions, whether it's writing, crafting, discussing with other OA members, of course, discussing with our sponsor, attending meetings and workshops. And they all helped me a lot to start open my mind. After all, Five minutes, our, Kim. Thank you. Our literature says that we all, all we need is honesty, goodwill, open-mindedness. I also learned that meeting my higher power is like meeting someone for the first time. There is always a first impression. Then I got to know that person or my higher power in this case. And the definition of that person or power and the relationship blossoms. And it did. It absolutely did. I remember exactly my first conscious contact with my higher power. It was on number, November 4, 2017 at my IG convention, a convention exactly like this one this morning in a step two workshop. And from that day on, I knew my higher power was always there, even in my bad days, and that she would always be there, even if I there if I opened my heart, sorry, to her. I cried that day. I felt safe and I felt home. Me, an agnostic, I felt home. Was I or I? Am I still an agnostic? I don't know. And today, the, the, the label doesn't matter to me anymore. What I do know is that second step works for me.
when I say it's an evolving process, well, my process evolved and burst. Five years later, when I imagine my higher power, I'm not included in this portrait. I now imagine that my higher power lives in and around me. It is omnipresent in my life. One of the benefits of doing service outside of my IG is doing service in a language other than my own. I heard a member once says that the word God means the gift of desperation. The spiritual principle of step two is O, and it frees me from despair. Thanks to this second step, I'm never in despair, no matter what the situation is. I know that I can count on the help of a force infinitely greater than my own. How do I know it's stronger than me? I have gotten to know her. And together we make a wonderful team whether it's for food or for all the other aspects of my life. But I have to open my mind and my heart to her. I am filled with gratitude for OA and 12 Step and 12 Tradition. Through this way of life, I have discovered an inexhaustible source of powerful energies from which I draw courage, strength, hope, and love. I have discovered what others choose to call God. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our interpreter, Lynn Rene, who gave a voice to this workshop in French. I now pass it back to Sandy. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. That was great. Okay, <clears throat> before we change up to our next speaker, I'm just going to do a little tech because I, I did something I haven't done before, which is I went in on my phone to see what everybody on a phone sees. I'm going to change it up a little. So I'm going to ask Kim and Rachel and me, we're going to turn our cameras off so that our audience on the phone can just see Martha and Lynn Renee. And then <clears throat> I'm going to spotlight Martha so the folks in the audience can um, uh, just pick speaker view. And uh, Lynn, you might, you're going to keep your camera on so Martha can see you, right? Okay, good. All right, so our next speaker, let me just check my format. Oh, so many things at once. Okay. <clears throat> Let's just see. That was great, Kim. Okay, let's see. All right, our next speaker is Martha. Go ahead when you're ready, dear. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. What a great way to start the day. And uh, I thank you all for being here and for this panel. My name is Martha. I'm a compulsive overeater, relapse survivor, living in a state of grace today. And uh, I'll give, just give you a little background. I have been in program for 18 years, and I have been relieved of uh, around 100 pounds, plus or minus a few. So my disease began as a disease of perception. I thought I was 
short and round, even though the pictures say otherwise. I thought I was different from every single person on earth. And I thought life was supposed to be happy and pain-free. So this, these skewed thoughts and perceptions made for a lot of suffering. And I spent all of my life before entering OA trying to fix that. So I thought food was the problem when I, um, when I thought I fixed everything else, uh, that that was the only thing left. My life was fabulous and uh, I was pretty close to perfect, you know, this far from perfect, all the way across the board. Uh, big ego. And uh, it turns out that when I got here, I learned that I don't have a problem with food. I have a problem with life. And food is my unsuccessful solution to that problem, or it was. And so I had to find another way to deal and process and face life. I got here indirectly because my youngest child was in rehab and we were asked to go to a program to support that and well, they didn't tell us we were sick, but that was the truth. And uh, and so I went and she suggested that some of the girls had gone to OA in her recovery program and maybe I would be interested in that. That's how I got here. Not because I was done being sick and tired and suffering. It was because of my angel, Jody. So... I did walk into the rooms uh, in complete denial of really what was going on in my life. My husband had died. My uh, All the adult children and a baby moved home to take care of me. And so I was cooking, cleaning, shopping, babysitting, all of those things for everyone. My youngest was heading into rehab or crack addiction, and I weighed 245 pounds, but I was fine. Everything was fine. Uh, and that's the, that's the extent of my denial. It's huge. So I walked into that first meeting. I read the book, uh, and, and they did step one for me, and I recognized myself immediately. I knew I was home. And then I read the book of 12 and 12 when I got home and I didn't understand anything after step one. So I knew I needed a sponsor 
and I picked a woman went at the next meeting who didn't have the physical recovery, but her eyes sparkled and she just oozed spirituality. And I knew that was going to be the tough part. I was an excellent dieter. I'd done it a thousand times, but I came in an agnostic and I knew that I would have trouble with the God stuff. And I told her this, that, you know, despite religious training and background, that I had no relationship with any higher power, if one even existed. And even if I were to say prayers, it would be like a kindergartner saying the Pledge of Allegiance. The kindergartners don't understand the words. It's all just rote, but they do it. And she said to me, are you the most powerful thing in the universe? And I said, of course not. She said, that's all you need. That's it to start. And because I was out of ideas on how to fix me, I was doing everything she asked me to do. So she said, why don't you talk to God every day? Doesn't matter if you believe in one, just talk and say a prayer or two or three, whatever suits you, talk every single day. So I did. And if you, any of you remember that old fashioned game of telephone, two tin cans and a string between them, it felt like I was talking into one tin can and the other one was laying on the floor somewhere out of sight but it wasn't held, it was on the floor. And I did that for months. And all of a sudden, one day, it felt like that the other tin can was not on the ground anymore. So things started to change just because I changed my actions, not my thinking. I was doing all the things that were suggested, reaching out to others, reading literature, going to meetings, and talking to God, and putting my food in its place where it belonged, which is off to the side, not front and center in my life. And so here I was thinking I had not been a person of faith, and it turns out that I had been. I had been putting my faith in the food, for sure, my own personal abilities, professionals like my mechanic or my doctor. So I wasn't a stranger to faith uh, and higher power of some sort. But I thought because I didn't understand God or see evidence of God, that there was none. So I spent a lot of time from that point on, once I realized something was at the other end of my string and can, that I spent a lot of time trying to define this higher power. I tried to, and every time I tried, it would last for a little bit, 
And then I was able to poke holes in it. Some situation or thought would come and I, I it would poke holes in my theory or my concept. And I spent three years doing that. And all of a sudden, one day I realized that I have no idea how airplanes get up in the air with all of that, all those people and all that luggage and how it stays up there. But I have no problem taking advantage of the power that it has to do that. Or a fax machine or how the electricity gets to my outlet. I know there are explanations. And I still don't understand and I don't need to know. All I need to know is that I'm willing to take, uh, to be open to what is being offered. And even things like love and beautiful, I can't describe them, but these are certainly powerful things, greater than myself. And I experience them fully in my life. So if I don't need to understand all of that or define that, then I certainly don't need to understand and define God. All I need to know is that there is a God and I'm not it. So this gave me the freedom to allow for a higher power outside of my understanding and creativity. I'm human. I only have a certain ability to envision and to understand. But this allowed me to go beyond my own capabilities. So for me, and this is where I came to, is one day I realized that water goes everywhere it is allowed to go. And so, and water is blue. So when I close my eyes and picture my higher power, I picture blue, just a blue field. May have ditty dots of color that are all the other aspects of life, but God is the fabric. And it has no edges and no boundaries. And I use the word God because it's simple but my God is not a being. Um, so there was that time where, well, how could any God allow all of the tragedies and suffering that, that is in the world today or any, at any time? And I heard someone on a, well, it was a long time ago, CD, and it said that, God is good and good is God. If it's not good, it's not God. And that let me know that that's the free will that God gave us as humans. And that is somebody else's will. That is not God's will. And I could, I could accept that and move forward. So restore me to sanity 
that was something sanity. I heard a lovely fellow once say, I had to be introduced to it first because I never had sanity around food or life. I lived at the edges, at the fringes, vibrating on a level that was um, not peaceful. So in order to be introduced to uh, sanity, I had to work these steps and communicate with God and my fellows. And that would bring me back to center. And like a tightrope walker, they, they've got their balance, they're moving through, maybe they hold a stick, I don't know. But when, if things get a little off, if things get shaky, they don't keep going. They pause and get still and allow themselves to be recentered. And then the next step they take is again, a sure step. And that is what my higher power can do for me. If I connect, if I consciously connect, God is always present. But if I'm not aware and I'm not open, then my brain and this disease thinking will take over. So I had to, in order to have this be part of the day, instead of just prayers in the morning and check, I'm done. I had to practice and act as if I was connected all day consciously. I had to get those actions, muscles built. So I built cues throughout the day to pause and connect. Five minutes right there. Thank you. And I, uh, and part of the, those are things like, as the microwave is counting down, instead of playing the number game of closing my eyes to see if I my counting matches the microwave, I would say the serenity prayer. I would take a deep breath and say the serenity prayer or another prayer. God in, fear out, if that's what I was feeling. God in, ego out. Or God in, monkeys out, because I had lots of those. Um, and then, or I would do that when my computer page was downloading. Or at every red light, I built these times for conscious connection to God. And they were, they were by effort. And all of a sudden, one day, I had had this phone conversation, and it was irritating. When I got off, I was agitated. And the first thing I did was pause and say the serenity prayer. And that blew me away that God had been my default response. Not the last thing I did, okay, fine, I'll talk to God. But the automatic response I was overwhelmed. It was really a powerful moment. And I never thought that that moment would happen for me, but it did because I kept doing the things that built the 
openings, created and helped create the openings for God and program and allowing me to be other directed. So I didn't need to believe in the beginning. I only needed to, to be willing to suspend disbelief. And then because, as the big book says, we can't act our way into new thinking and we can't think our way into new acting, we have to act our way into new thinking. That's what I did by practicing in spite of what I thought. And, and then things grew. For me, God is source and resource. And when I am consciously connected, I am empowered by God to make healthy, peaceful decisions and take healthy, peaceful action. Um, I don't have much time left, but I do want to say that I always thought I had no God in my life, a conscious God in my life, but as a child, I had an imaginary person that I made up or imaginary figure, Mary, the girl, Shara, and she could fly and she uh, could, you know, had strength and she was always there if I needed her. And she had everything I always wanted. Long bone hair, blue eyes, ruby red lips, a white bikini, a mink stole and a cowgirl outfit. And, uh, I would just imagine scenarios, us doing adventures. And if when I had a nightmare one time, I remember there were monsters who had trapped me in the jungle gym and I couldn't get out. And Mary came and took each monster and threw him into outer space. And then she and I took a walk. And someone pointed out to me after sharing that at a meeting that even as a child, eight years old, I had a form of higher power in my life. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. I did. And I had no idea. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Yes, there is a God. I'm not it. It empowers me to connect, to see, to hear, to feel, and to act in healthy, joyful ways. And I'm so grateful that I was shown this path through OA. Thank you all for listening. And I pass. Thank you, Martha. Thank you so much. That was just lovely. That was great. That was just great. We're going to take uh, questions in a minute. So get your questions, start putting your questions in the Q&A panel in the, um, it's a separate from the chat Q&A panel. You can put them in, in English or in French. Uh, hang on a second, I lost 17 places. Where's the format? It's the format. Okay. Uh, I just want to check in with Lynn Renee. Uh, your camera's off, love. Are you okay? I know you can't tell me. so because you're in French. Okay. So the next thing I need you to know, Lynn Renee Seva, okay, is that you're coming in a little muffly. So your mic is uh, maybe popping in and out or stuck in your clothes or 
All right. Somebody in the audience is going to listen to Lynn Renee and tell me if it sounds better now. In the audience. Let's see. Lynn Renee, yeah, you're talking. Okay. All right. I'm going to assume it's okay unless somebody in the audience chats us that it's not okay. Good. Okay. Let's see. All right. Floor is open for questions and answers. You put them in the Q&A function. I'm going to read the questions. I might consolidate questions. I might skip questions. Um, we'll just see how it goes, okay? So please put some questions in the chat. Much appreciated. So let's go see what we have here. I, and, oh, I'm going to do some spotlighting. Hang on one second. Oh, I'm going to do this. Okay, we're going to add that. And then we're going to add um, Kim. Oh, there we are. Okay. Did it. Okay, now we're going to do some questions. Sorry, I haven't done moderating in a long time. All right, so we'll start with Kim, and then we'll ask Martha. How do you ascertain that the decision you make is, in fact, God's will? That's a very good question. Thank you for asking. Um, as I said in my share, um, my HP lives in me and around me. And I really like what Martha said in her share that she breathes in God and let go of our, our fear. And when she breathes out and how I know I'm doing my, my higher power will is that it's, it all happens here. If I feel in harmony, it, feel, it means that I'm doing my higher power will not my ego will uh, it's very important to me and if i feel distress if i feel in fear if i feel like i'm the almighty god it means that i'm not doing my higher power will i'm doing my ego will so that's how i certain i'm doing my HP will. And of course, sometimes I don't hear always like or my inner voice, but I know that my HP wants my good and she wants me to take healthy decisions and she wants me to take some sane decisions. So, yeah, Great. that's Thank where you. I tend to go. Thank you. Thanks. And Martha? Oh, that is a good question. And what I have found and what I can now see is that my will, those things have, they're complicated, they're chaotic. The, the things that I'm thinking have tentacles, they have conditional clauses. If you, then, and when that ends, and it's all, and it's tight. And God's will seems to be organic in nature. It flows. It, it comes and it works. And it's not me all tight trying to work it out. And uh, when I saw that the first time, it made it very easy to see as it comes up each time. And it does come up. <laughs> But I can see it now, and I so love that I can do that. Thanks. Thanks, Martha. Thanks, Kim. All right, next question. We'll go to Martha first, and then Kim. Do you have a daily ritual or set of routines that get you consciously connected to God? 
Yes, I do. I say good morning, God, before I first get up. I, um, I talk on the phone to sponsees for several hours in the morning, and that is God. That God is present in those conversations hits me every day, every day. I do reading, and I, I was writing on the reading for 17 years, and I found a different outlet at this point for that. But um, I work on the readings. I do all these things that support spirituality, abstinence, connection, and peace, and all of these things. So though that I still, to this day, I still use the microwave and the red light and the computer times to pause and breathe, even if I've done it 67 other times during the day. And of course, I say prayers when they come to mind, which is often now, instead of rarely, often there's these prayers just pop into my head. That's it. Thanks, Martha. And Kim? Um, my routine evolves depending on what I need. Actually, right now, I do a daily uh, reading. I meditate. I reflect on it. And I share about it. And... Uh, I do breathing exercise and what I practice throughout the day to stay connected with my HP is what I call in French, recul, respire, reviens, which is step back, breathe in, then after I come back. And while I breathe in, I pray, I meditate, I, I have to think about humility and before I react, I don't react anymore. I act in my life. I don't want to overreact. I'm an overreactor. So yes, I have to step back, breathe in my, my HP, uh, seek for what's in me here. Then I come back. That's, that's my daily routine to stay in connect with my HP. And I have to always remember that she's there for me. That's what I have to remember throughout the day. Thank you. Thanks, Kim. All right, I'm going to attempt to translate the question in the Q&A. You're going to check me, see if I got it right. Kim, and I think we're going to open it up to Martha too afterwards. Could you please um, talk about the role of intuition in your practice of step two? I'll try to answer that question. And you translate it exactly, perfectly. You're good. Thank you, Sandy. The role of intuition. Yeah, intuition, I think it's my HP talking to me. It's I, I spoke a lot and I will never stop talking about my inner voice. This is my intuition. And I believe it's my HP talking to me, trying to teach me something or trying to tell me, go that way or don't go that way. Um, I always been, and 
since my my childhood i always been someone very i don't know the word in english but i was always having intuition you know uh the gut feeling here and i i always tend to ignore my gut feeling but now i've learned to listen to my gut feeling and listen to what happens here in my heart and inside me it's it's my hp talking to me thank you i hope i, I answered that question well It'd be great thank Martha, you. You take it you don't have to answer in french <laughs> uh that is a great question and i have found that my understanding is that god is within me but not of me and that i do have thoughts immediate or dawning thoughts but they um i i can't always discern where they come from and so that but they all deserve a look and in order to do that i have to do the pause and the breathe and the connect to god consciously connect and when i do that i can see or feel the change in me and if i am practicing living by spiritual principles and practicing them all the time then everything that comes to me and everything that comes out of me can be filtered through god and then i can discern the where what this is and is it me and my ego or is it god's uh, influence thanks thanks martha thanks kim okay we don't have any more questions in the chat so i'm going to give you guys both an opportunity i don't know about you but when i speak like i always go oh i should have said that kim you got one of those Yeah, Martha just inspired me that I have to see life through God's influence or God's filter, not through my illness filter and through my illness eyes. God restored my sanity and God God restored my seeing of life. And when I see myself through my illness, I'm not a good person. I I don't love myself. But when I I let my HP restore my seeing of myself, I'm able to love myself. I'm able to take good action for myself or my well-being. So I have to let my HP inspire me and restore everything that I am including the way I see myself. Thank you. Beautiful, Kim. And Martha, last closing thoughts. Closing thoughts that, um, hmm, there's so much here, that connecting with a power that I didn't really know exists has changed my life. If someone told me 20 years ago that I would be talking about God and talking to God every day, I would have said, they were nuts because there was no active god in my life conscious active god 
And, and I used to look at someone's garden and think, look what Mary can do. And today I see, I look and I say, look what God gave Mary, the ability to make a beautiful garden. Everything in my life has changed the way I see it and the way I react because of this connection to a higher power. And it is the greatest gift that this program has given me. Thank you. Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Kim. That was beautiful. And thank you to Lynn Renee for beautiful, beautiful service. I always make her translate this one. Thank you, Lynn Renee, for beautiful, beautiful service. Thank you to Rachel as our timer, exquisite. Thank you to Barbara, right on the nose with those chats. Good, good job, everybody. Good job. Thank you to everybody who attended this morning and sent us questions and chats. Load up that chat. Give us some love. Martha and Kim, take a minute before you leave to um, read through the chats. They're lovely. So let us all close one more time. Oh, I know what. Kim, will you take us out in the with the serenity prayer en français, madame? Por favor. No, that was. Uh, that was Spanish, but it's okay. Yeah. I understood. <laughs> okay, oh. let's do it in French. And as our co chair says, Mon expert, mon expert, mon Dieu, donne-moi la sérénité d'accepter les choses que je ne peux changer, le courage de changer les choses que je peux et la sagesse d'en connaître la différence. Merci. My darling, thank you so much. Stay up on the panel for just a second because I have to turn you out of co-host. I'm going to stop interpretation. Hang on one second. All righty, very good. I'm going to make everybody not co-host so that I, and then I'm going to put you down in the, um, attendees. So just bear with me here. La, 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 la. Doing it, doing it, doing it. Okay. I think I did them all. Great. Okay. Um, is anybody staying to do service in the next session? <laughs>